I think as you read through the Gospel of John, you just realize Jesus was a man on a mission. And, and he uses that phrase so many times. I, I was sent by my Father. I was sent. These is, this is the reason I came. I've been sent. I only do the works of my because he sent me. Over and over and over and over again, you hear this particular phrase. That, and he was on a mission. He was about doing the Father's business over and over. That sense of urgency. And then as you get to, you get, I think, believe in chapter 20, he says, I've been, in the same way that I was sent by the Father, so I am now sending you. Welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. This is our weekly video where we go a little bit deeper on some topics from Sunday's sermon. And we ask some questions, discuss some things that maybe didn't fit into the sermon on Sunday, go a little deeper on a topic. It's a way for us to, um, you know, yeah, study a little bit more on the topic from Sunday. So we're currently in a series in which we're talking about the signs that Jesus performed in that are recorded in the Gospel of John. And John tells us specifically that these signs he has recorded so that we may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing in him, we may have life. So uh, we've we've identified seven. And, you know, in our talking, Mike, I think one of the things we've discussed is that actually seems that there are more than seven. I mean, there's nowhere in the book where it says that there are seven. Uh, I started out thinking there were seven as I've been studying through it. I've actually, I would say they're probably somewhere around nine or 10, but, um, yeah, so there's signs though. John says, I've recorded these signs for you so that you would believe. And so this is the sixth of our seven week series. And you taught this past weekend and the message was from John chapter nine, from blindness to true sight. Really interesting topics and it brings up a ton of questions. But this pool where Jesus takes this blind man and he creates mud in the dirt, puts it on the man's eyes and the man is healed. Um, this pool is called Siloam. Maybe tell us a little bit more about that mm-hmm. pool. Yeah, it was very interesting about the pool of Siloam um, built by Hezekiah. Um, you know, like what, 4,000 some years ago, when does it say? Quite, quite a while ago, <laughs> but he built it as a way of, you know, when, you know, cities would be besieged, of course, one of the first things to do is cut off their water supply. And so this was the only fresh water source within the, the walls of Jerusalem. And it was connected to the, the spring of Gihon, which was outside of the city walls. And this is, was brought in through Hezekiah's tunnel. As those who have traveled to Israel can, and go to Jerusalem, you can actually see that. You can go to the, the, the pool's been excavated. It's not, you know, the glory of as it used to be, but you can see where Hezekiah dug these tunnels through two thousand feet they say of two thousand feet of solid rock mm. so no small feat back in those days to to get that water into the city um, it was very very interesting rabbinical traditions say that it was called the Messiah's pool which I found very very interesting um, it was also a main feature of the um, the Feast of Tabernacles where the priests would go and, and, and dip water from there and then and then it poured on the altar and it was part of the the whole ceremony as they remembered the the you know the Israelites out in the desert living in the tents and what's interesting is that you see the pool of Siloam and then you also see the lighting of the lamps as, as two main fixtures of the 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 feast of tabernacles and you see Jesus using both of them to say hey <laughs> i those, those signs they point to me the one of course was the pool of siloam where he says all those who thirsty are thirsty and you know you come to me 
and you will thirst no more. And he stood up on the last day, it says, of the Feast of Tabernacles and said that, you know, basically saying, I am better than the pool of Siloam. I am the true Siloam. You know, in me you will find, you know, uh, rivers of living water. And then, of course, the second one is, I'm the light of the world. You know, referring to the lighting of the lamps, which they used to light the lamps during the the, the Feast of Tabernacles, and of course that represented um, the pillar of, of fire that would lead the Israelites in the desert by night. And he, Jesus, basically saying, "I am the one who who led you through the desert." You know, comparing himself to God, of course, and you know, I'm the glory of God that led you, and and if you follow me, you will no longer walk in darkness. And of course, at the end of chapter eight, we see, you know, they start picking up stones because. <laughs> He had compared himself, you know, and we, we saw a couple of the I am statements in our last series. And so the Pool of Siloam was a very interesting fixture of the particular story that I wasn't able to get to. You know, there were just so many different themes and I just kind of chose to f- focus in on the man himself, the blind man, and kind of take you, you know, take his story from where from where he was there at the temple gates, blind to when he's standing face to face with Jesus. And he says, I believe, and, and he and he worships him. And so that was kind of all I had time for. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, it is interesting, that pool of Siloam and everything that was done with it on the, tab- on the Feast of Tabernacles, which of course, the Feast of Tabernacles was to remember God's faithfulness to the Jewish people during their time in the desert, how he provided water from the rock, and that, you know, there's a, the whole thing with the water and the pool of Siloam, and then how he provided light in the darkness. And you know, what's really interesting is that when you come full circle with the, the story of Jesus there in the Gospel of John, what happens during Jesus' crucifixion, what, what happens is that during the day when it is light, it becomes dark. And Jesus says, I thirst. And it says that he did this to fulfill scripture. Mm-hmm. Now that fulfillment is a fulfillment of two things, really. One is uh, Psalm 69, which says that his thirst on the cross, the Messiah's thirst as he was dying, would be quenched with uh, sour uh, wine. And so there's that part of it. But even the fact that he thirsts is significant from this symbolic thing that John keeps pointing out to us, which is that Jesus, the one who came, he is the rock that is struck to provide living water for the people. I mean, remember, that's how the water came. It was struck. And, uh, and so here's Jesus, the, the rock, being struck to provide living water. And in the process, he thirsts. I just think it's, it's really interesting. I can't help but know that John is wanting us to make all these connections as he goes through that. But there's also the fact that the name Siloam, I always found this interesting in the text. It says the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Why would it bother to tell us that? Like there are other things that like Bethesda doesn't tell Mm -hmm. us what the meaning of Bethesda is. We know what it is, but it doesn't point it out in the text. So why point? this out. Well, again, if it was called the Messiah pool, I mean, how significant then that it means sent. And here is Jesus saying, I am essentially Mm -hmm. the true and better uh, pool of Siloam. And he is the one who is sent. It's interesting, um, if nothing else. But um, yeah, any any further thoughts on those things? Well, just thinking about that, the idea of being sent, I mean, uh, verse four was another one, one of the verses that I just wasn't able to get to I just, you know, it's a great, we must work the works of him who sent me 
while it is day and night is coming when no one can work as long as I'm in the world, verse five. I am the light of the world. And, uh, you know, it was, it was hard to skip over this. I had a huge mm. section of my notes. I just kind of deleted it. <laughs> as I said, it was kind of almost like I was making a movie about this blind man. And there were certain things in the narrative that just had to be cut to keep the narrative moving forward. And, and you know, to that end, I think I was able to accomplish that. But this, you know, this was an important part of what, what Jesus wanted to do, that idea that he was sent. And, and uh, you know, you, maybe you had a few thoughts on this, but just some of the ideas of what, what it, you know, the day and night and that Jesus was on a mission, you know, and it just, you kind of get that sense that, you know, going from transitioning from chapter eight into chapter nine, that yes, you know, they were trying to stone him for, you know, for claiming he was God. He had to hide himself. He had to move. And then, you know, in the next scene, we find him immediately back, upon, you know, about his father's business. And he says he's about his father. We need to work the works of God. And, and, um, so, and so that we have this kind of the idea of day and night. I don't know if you have any thoughts on what, what, what those, those actually signify. Yeah, I would just say the one thing that sticks out to me about that verse, there probably, there's probably a little bit more to it, but I think the thing that's really important to take away from it is that Jesus is saying that there is a time right now when we can do the works of God, and therefore there's an urgency to it. And I think that uh, every generation of Christians has been encouraged to live with that urgency, right? We live in a dispensation of grace, a time when uh, the gospel can be preached and people can believe and there's an opportunity for people to hear the gospel and believe and be saved. And there's coming a time when that will no longer be possible. And we don't know when exactly that will be. Um, meaning, like, I can't tell you the time and day when that will take place. But uh, the fact is that there is coming a time. And this is an important message that's reiterated throughout the Bible. For example, in the book of Hebrews, where it says, look, if you hear God speaking to you or calling to you, don't harden your heart as they did in the wilderness, right? In other words, there's an opportunity, an open door right now for you to believe and be saved. And that may not always exist, whether it means the end of your life or whether it means events that take place here on earth that mean that that's no longer, that door is closed. I, I think that that's an important part of the message, right? Both for the person who is being invited to believe and for the person who um, is taking part in God's work. There's an urgency to it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, this is something that I, I think is inherent to what it means to be a Christian. On the one hand, the gospel message comes with an urgency. Don't put it off because you don't know how much time you have. And also it comes with an urgency to those who preach it, right? Which is people need to hear this and it's urgent. We cannot just wait on this. Yeah, and the two thoughts come to my mind. One, just on the idea of urgency, um, we just, I think as you read through the gospel of John, you just realize Jesus was a man on a mission. And, and he uses that phrase so many times. I, I was sent by my father. I was sent. These is, this is the reason I came. I've been sent. I only do the works of my, because he sent me over and over and over and over again. You hear this particular phrase that, and he was on a mission. He was about doing the father's business over and over that sense of urgency. And then as you get to, you get, I think, believe in chapter 20, he says, I've been in the same way that I was sent by the father. So I am now sending you. 
and that he hands that, you know, and we get that idea in, in that verse four as well, that he's calling us into that mission. He's calling us into that urgency. And so, you know, I think that just for us as Christians, as, as ministers of the gospel, that we should take that as a, as a challenge, as a, an example that, that the Lord is calling us into his mission. He's given us his Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and, and to, to work the works while it is day because night is coming. We don't know. And to have, you know, and that's why on Sunday morning I gave a gospel. I like, who are you in the story was my question. Like, you know, who do you find? Are you, have you taken the signs? Maybe you're on a journey, you know, and you just keep seeing that exit, go to Jesus and you're not doing it. The sign is obvious, but you're not doing it. You need to do it today. You know, so there's an urgency that we need to do that. The second was that that idea you just brought up that they hardened their hearts in the desert. They they wouldn't see the signs. I mean, God was up on the mountain thundering and they were like, well, let's just build ourselves a golden calf, you know, something in our own image, something we can, you know, control and the idea of heart. And I think I was very struck by, as I, you know, you do a character study of who the blind man was, kind of his neighbors, and then kind of the Pharisees, and how obstinate, you know, when you when you looked at uh, chapter five with the lame man, you know, it says when they saw it, it literally says the scripture when they saw the wonderful things that that Jesus had done in this man's life, they were indignant. <laughs> mm. You know, it's like okay, something here in this the language doesn't make sense, you know, and you just kind of see. I think it's a lesson to us as we pass by each sign and we say no to the Lord as the Pharisees, as, you know, the lesson that we can take from them. As you pass by each sign, the hardening of their hearts where they were just like completely obstinate, you know, like they had no, they had no care for the fact that this man, even though the evidence was there clear to them, they were blind to it, you know, and Jesus points that out to them in, in the last few verses of that chapter that he said, at least if you had said you were blind, you know, your guilt would not be upon you, but you let you say you see, but, and so your guilt remains. And, and just, uh, I just, uh, that idea, I think that was a great lesson for me, you know, uh, to reading through just as, as you saw the one man see physically and spiritually, you saw the death of their own hearts and their eyes get darker and darker and darker and to the signs that God was obviously, you know, Jesus said, I am the rock, you know, in the desert. I am the water in Siloam. I am the light of the world. You know, these kind of things. And they, you know, it's the pool literally was called, if the traditions are true, the Messiah's pool. And, you know, the lame are walking, the blind are seeing, you know, Isaiah 35, everything was there yet the hardness of their heart. And, you know, that's just a lesson for us, you know, to, 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 to see the signs and believe as this man believed himself. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good point to leave it on. And I think uh, just the last thing is just reiterating what you said. As Christians, essentially, we are the consequence of God's mission. And then he calls us to be a catalyst as well, right? So we are, we're, it's this ongoing mission of God that has caught us up in it, and then we get to carry it on. And I love what Jesus says there in John 17, where he's talking, he's praying for the disciples uh, after the Last Supper on that night when he's betrayed. And he prays for them and he says, I, I've done what the Father sent me to do, and now I'm sending you. But he says that he's sending them so that they will have his joy. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's what's so interesting, right? The, the sending that God gives us is not burdensome. It's not a bummer, right? It's actually a source of joy. And, um, and Jesus, right, having had so much joy, a big part of his joy was, you know, doing the mission of the Father. He says in chapter 4 of John, he says, I have food that you don't know of. And they're like, where do you keep this food? Do you have a secret bag of food, right? Like, and Jesus says, no, no, my food is to do the will of the Father who sent me. That's what satisfies me. It gives me joy. And then he gives us that mission so that we can share in his joy. It's a beautiful thing. So with that, uh, if you haven't heard Sunday's message, definitely do that. You can pick it up on any of the podcast platforms. You can find it on YouTube as well. If you haven't yet done so, then subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you can get notified whenever new content is posted, which is about two or three times a week. You can also find uh, some great interviews that Mike recently did with some of our missionaries and ministry partners over in Ukraine from his recent trip there. Check those out. Um, If you haven't subscribed to our podcast, please do that. And we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating or review, especially on iTunes uh, podcasts or Apple podcasts. That boosts us in the algorithms and that helps other people discover this content. So if this was helpful, to you. Please share it with somebody else. Please like, and um, we will be with you again next week.